It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Redskins. I'm your host, Zach Hicks, as always. And today we're going to mix it up a little bit. We're not going to go into our Vikings talk just yet. We'll save that for tomorrow. We decided to go a little draft today. And honestly, when I set up this uh, this guest here, I really thought the Redskins were going to lose to the Seahawks. So it's kind of looking a little bad now that I have him on, that big draft guy, because now we have more promise in the season. But I have the most hated man on Twitter himself joining today's podcast, Justin Gamble at Gamscout. How's it going, man? Most hated man on Twitter. I didn't know that. I knew I was disliked, but that's an interesting title. I'll take it. Whatever. Oh, yeah, man. That's how I got to introduce you. I see everyone attacking you every day, from Blake Meeks to the Fasu Vus and whatever, however you say his name. All those guys attack you every day, man. How come you get so much hate on Twitter? I'm not even sure. Am I that insensitive, or do I do something? I don't know. Maybe I'm just ugly, and people don't like looking at my face. Except I don't even, they don't even see me. I'm not sure, man. It's baffling, but I'll take it. Whatever. I think I can be the villain. I think it's just you're you're too honest with your takes. You don't like to lean into the groupthink, and people hate it, man. They hate your non-groupthink. Especially one thing they really hate is you don't like to do rankings, and you don't like to do pro- player comps. Why Why is that? Why don't you do the rankings? I don't mind player comps. I don't mind, like, giving a style comp, giving something that says, you know, this is the way this guy plays, or maybe this is his ceiling, something like that. But when you're going to say, like, for instance, right now when we say Baker Mayfield, in capital letters, I is, is Drew Brees. Two point, like, come on. That's just setting yourself up for just failure down the road. I mean, you can't say someone is this guy. That's just saying they are him. That's There's no other way to go around. I think that's ridiculous. I think, you know, comparing traits, comparing things that make guys successful or maybe comparing certain characteristics, that's okay. But it's ridiculous to say they are someone. And then when you rank people, I think another interesting, when you say this guy is one wide receiver five, this guy's my wide receiver six. Well, what if they go to different, you know, scheme fits? What if they go to different scenarios? They, you know, one guy is all like, you know, when you rate right now in this draft class, let's rate Auden Tate and then rank Richie James. Those guys aren't even similar in any way. So why are you ranking them when they're going to be likely put in different roles? They're going to be put in different offenses, asked to do different things. So when you rank someone, it's like putting them all on the same scale instead of saying, what are this guy's strengths? What are this guy's weaknesses? And in what ways will they excel? You know, stuff like that. So I just think sometimes, you know, we try to keep evaluating simple, but don't over oversimplify. This is football, and there's a lot of variables that go into each and every offense, each and every play, each and every coaching style, whatever. So, I mean, you know, we, we have to do our job to the best of our ability. And I think ranking people is like, this isn't just fantasy. If you're into fantasy, go for it. But if you're into actually evaluating players, ranking is just the easy way out. Yeah, it's it's like a way to test if you're going to be right or wrong, and that's what we all love and all hate. That's kind of all it's for, honestly. There's no other reason for rankings, and I've kind of opened my eyes a little bit where it's like, this is stupid. I, I'm not ranking anymore, quarterbacks especially, because they're so situation-based. I'm really done with rankings. But to jump into some Redskins stuff, because we will not just all talk draft. We will get some of Justin's takes on some Redskins rookies. So Jonathan Allen, what was your opinion on Jonathan Allen coming out? And you know I like Jonathan Allen. Oh, yeah. um, I think I was a little lower, not even lower, but I think I criticized some of his, some parts of his game a little more than other people. I loved his versatility. I loved his hands. I loved his power at the point of attack. I felt like he could be a five technique. I felt like he could be a three technique, but you know, he's not Aaron Donald. It wasn't like he was a burner upfield, like he flashed through gaps and you're like, you know, we can't even see this guy. He kind of won more with the power, the leverage, the body positioning. It wasn't like, 
you know, you just toss him in there and he's going to wreck ship. But I feel like he gives, you know, the Redskins front a lot of versatility. He can play a lot of different spots on a lot of different downs. And the guy's relentless. He's got a crazy motor. I don't think he's super athletic in a straight line, but there was a lot of fluidity to his game. There was a lot of, you know, functional athleticism. So I think when he comes back healthy, that'll do some good things for that Redskins front. Yeah, his best role definitely has been as, like, the second-best interior guy for the Skins. That has been an excellent spot for him. He just eats up blocks, and then Matt Ioannidis has been just a hammer. I'm actually curious, how what was your opinion on Matt Ioannidis coming out? Did you ever think he'd he be was kind of a, He was kind of a jag to me, but not even in a bad way. It was just like, this is another guy who doesn't have any elite trait. He doesn't have anything special, but could he play in the NFL? Absolutely. You know, again, is he a guy that's going to take over? No. But he's also not going to be a huge liability. He was kind of like... And I know people think Jag, and they're like, oh, you hated him. No, that's a term thrown around a lot. He's a serviceable guy. Uh, I think he's probably overachieved a little bit. I think mm-hmm. he's spent a little more maybe than what I thought and what a lot of people thought. But he's just one of those blue-collar dudes that just comes in with his lunch pail and fights hand-to-hand each week, which is pretty fun to watch. So I, I like him. Um, yeah, and I think he, he's overachieving a little bit. Oh, I mean, I will take overachievement for an entire career if that's what we're going for with Matt Ioannidis. So let, let's keep that going. Uh, the next big rookie to talk about is Fabian Moreau. He's played pretty well, a lot of special teams this year. What was your take on Moreau coming out last year? To me, he was probably the second best man, pure man-to-man cover corner after Lattimore. I know I had, who, who else was in that class? I had Lattimore and someone else above him, but Moreau, if it wasn't for that injury, I think he would have gone a lot higher. I know he's a little older than some of the guys that come out of that class, but as far as you know, press man and just the fluidity, the recovery speed, the ability to sit on routes and not let receivers stack him. and so A lot of those subtle things that cornerbacks do, I think he did really well. And he was just a guy that could stick on someone all game, and that was pretty impressive to see. Yeah, Fabian Rowe was definitely my favorite pick of the entire draft. Well, second favorite pick, because we'll get to my favorite pick right afterwards. Which, I mean, we both have the same favorite for this class. Yeah, Justin, Justin knows. Justin was the guy who actually turned me on to him. But Fabian was uh, an excellent pick for the Redskins. Third round was the complete steal, and I really do think they have their, their future on the outside of Fabian Rowe. Now, to get on to the main topic, the guy who I've built this podcast around, my brand is what I call him, Monte Nicholson. What was your take, Justin? <laughs> you know what I thought about that kid. I mean, I... He got trashed in the entire process, and I think everyone watched, like, the same two draft breakdown cuts or something, yep. but he's one of those guys where it goes back to, if you're serious about evaluating and you're serious about putting your opinion out there, you need to watch more than, like, three games of a player. This was one of those guys where it's like, if you didn't watch a full two years of him, you didn't really know what you are getting. He had parts of his career where, in college, he was injured, he was lacking confidence, he just didn't look like himself, and then he had areas where you thought, you know, this guy has traits of a round one, round two safety. It was kind of like, who were we getting? But, you know, if you just evaluated his traits and what he probably could be down the road, I think the Redskins did the right thing. I, I think he could have dropped a lot further, but they took that chance and said, you know, this guy's a freak show of an athlete. He's physical. When he's mentally, when he's focused, when his body feels good, you can tell his ceiling is high. And, I mean, he's made some plays already this year where you can tell you know, he's flashing, showing that he might be the future of this team on that back end. Thank you for saying that. Now you're always welcome on here because of that. Right. But, tw- yeah, 2015 Monte Nicholson was some of the best safety tape I've seen in a while. I mean, he just destroyed Alabama. If you guys want to see a safety played to an elite level, watch him against Alabama in 2015. And I've, I've had a lot of people come back and tell me, they're like, hey, when I watched 2015, it was a different player. I know the big thing that kind of got out with him was Matt Miller tweeted out saying, 
that his jersey never gets dirty during a game during his junior year or something. And that got everyone to hate Monte Nicholson. But I'm telling you, that pick was excellent. He is going to be a starter, and he, he hopefully will be a star down the road and be my favorite player for years. Now, the last player that we're going to talk about, he has struggled a little bit this year, but Samaj P. Ryan, what was your take on him coming into the draft? Good player. I mean, again, he had, when he was healthy, he looked, I don't want to say great, but he had traits where you could see this guy could do some damage. I felt like he lacked a little burst. He, he lacks that long speed. But when he's when you know he has that natural running ability inside, where he finds the creases, he finishes runs powerfully. Uh, he's never gonna out athlete anybody, but he can be that banger inside, and he can do a little more than just your average everyday guy because he had that balance, he had that contact balance. He he just he did a lot of the like a, he's kind of like Fabian Moreau in the fact that he did a lot of those little things that you need at certain positions. He did them well, and I think you know the Michael Turner comp was made for him. If that was a little ridiculous because he's not that dynamic. He's not that explosive, mm-hmm. but he's big enough and he's compact enough to where you get this kid going, you get him going downhill. He, he felt like, I felt like he picked up steam as the games went on. You know, he's underachieving this year, but I think he's going to figure it out. I think he's going to find his way again. There's those flashes on tape so far where you're like, okay, that was a carry where you can see he's getting into his rhythm. He's got some of the jump cuts. He's got some of the burst, but I think he's a rookie. Just give him time, he, you know. He was at the combine. He was one of the nicest guys I met. One of the most genuine. He was always smiling. You could tell he loved the game. You can tell he kind of just appreciated getting this far in life. Like it was really something that he enjoyed, and he was blessed to be here. And he felt that way. He was one of my favorite guys for sure. I'm rooting for him. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's just a confidence thing with him. I think at this point. I mean, yeah. he he's just he's fumbling a lot, and it's kind of getting his head. I understand it with a rookie. It happens. Hopefully we don't get a Matt Jones situation where it boots him out of town mm-hmm. with it. Yeah. But I like what you said that he's the nicest guy in the world because I've noticed with almost every pick the Redskins made this past year, all these nice locker room culture guys who are going to come in, work hard, and just do, you know, even Ryan Anderson, I think that was the, one of the biggest reaches in the entire draft. But, yeah. but I mean, he was a culture guy. He came, He's going to come in, he's going to work his ass off, and that's kind of what you get out of him. And so yeah. I understand it from that standpoint. Now, Justin and I are going to jump into some other rookies around the NFL, some of his crazy hot takes on them here in a second. But I do want to remind you guys before we jump into that, that Josh Mensch of the Purple Port is jumping on tomorrow to talk some Vikings Redskins. Super excited. And the good news for him is Teddy Bridgewater has been activated off of IR. So we will probably hear Josh Mensch gush for about 20 minutes just about Teddy Bridgewater. So be prepared for that tomorrow as we talk about it on Locked On Redskins. So you were the big Deshaun Watson hater last year. You hated his guts, apparently. That's what we. That's what everyone knew. You were the hater that refused to ever change your point on him, even when he became an, uh, what a Hall of Fame player this year through six games. So, yeah, I know. I mean, I don't understand why you haven't changed your tune yet. So why aren't you seeing the Hall of Fame player that everyone else is seeing? Well, I think a lot of people take the easy way out and say, you know, because the majority is supporting him as this superstar and his stats look great, why dive in any further and actually evaluate what we're seeing on tape? Let's just take the win, the easy win, and, you know, claim that he's the Hall of Famer. And from the, from game one, you know, every single game so far, I've gone back and watched since all 22. I've, broke, I've gone, checked out every single play, everything, all the work that I personally could put in, I, I tried to do. And for me, it's not that he's playing poorly. It's just that he's still the same guy I saw at Clemson. And this offense has been built around him and his strengths. It's been built around the things that um, – and, and here's another thing. Defenses don't know what he is yet. 
they have a mobile guy who they don't have any tape on in this offense. They're out there clueless. The Titans went out there and yeah. looked like there was 11 guys trying to defend something that they had never seen before. They didn't even look like they were trying to defend a football player. They could have, you know, it could have been a tennis match. They would have no, They were completely confused. The thing about Watson is in the NFL, you're going to have to start making a living over the middle of the field. You're going to have to start dissecting, you know, those layers in the middle and start beating defenses between the numbers. So far, he's making most of his, you know, splash plays. Those out route throws, which he's pretty decent at. He made a lot of those at Clemson, just three steps out, three steps, you know, whatever. He's lobbing up a lot of jump balls like yes, he did at Clemson. 100%. Um, and for some reason, Hopkins has just turned into a mo- I mean, he's always been a monster, but this year, it's like snap after snap, he's going up and getting them. But, I mean, that's not going to be sustainable. When you watch a lot of the reads that I'm seeing that he's missing over the middle of the field are wide open. Or they're ones that he needed to anticipate, and he's not. He's left a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns on the table just because he refuses to throw the ball over the middle of the field, which I get. I've been, you know, I've played football before. I know how hard it is to get into being able to read the middle of the field because that's where things collide, and that's where both sides of the field can come together, and it's really tough to read that. But he also does this thing where when his first read is not open, his eyes drop. Yep. And he's missing things that way, too. And luckily, he's got his legs to bail him out, and he makes a play on the run, or he lobs up another jump ball for Hopkins, who bails him out. But a lot of these things that I'm seeing, I don't know if they're sustainable. I'm not saying he can't develop. I'm not saying he won't. I'm not saying he sucks. But if he continues to be this exact same guy that he is right now, defenses will adjust, and he's going to start to fail at a quick, at a, you know, quickly because you have, to, you have to evolve. And defenses and defensive coordinators are going to evolve really fast. And they're going to start taking away the things that he does so well and that Bill O'Brien has schemed for him. So it's not that he's bad. It's not that I don't think he can be good. But right now, this player is the same guy I saw at Clemson. I think if it wasn't for O'Brien making this offense just so perfect for him and defenses having no idea what to do, we wouldn't be seeing you know this type of success. Even I mean, even though they're below 500, we wouldn't be seeing him put up these stats that he currently did. Exactly, and to relate it back to some Redskins things, Redskins fans, you guys all know, we have seen a rookie quarterback come in running a college offense and look like a Hall of Fame, a Hall of Fame quarterback, a pro awesome quarterback for, for one year, and what happens when they don't adjust the second year? Defenses do, and it's just, that's how, that's how you can really test how a quarterback is. So Watson, I do see a lot of the same things. It's a lot of jump balls. It's a lot of one reads with him. It's so much Clemson. It basically is Clemson all over again. It's Clemson. Yeah. He's basically yeah, I, mean, I forget which game it was, but uh, I think it was after the Titans game. I forget who they were playing. Band. No, I don't remember. Anyway, there was probably, there was, you know, two full series where they were running so much misdirection and his heels waiting each play. And he didn't have to throw a pass for so long because the run game was so confusing to them and they were so focused on where he was going to go. I mean, it was, he didn't, he wasn't asked to do anything. And that's not his fault, but it's, it is the, the truth that this offense is built him right now but it's not going to last it's not it can't last so when defenses start to adjust what Watson will we see that's my big question exactly I'm 100% with you there to jump into another player that felt this one's a player that fell in the draft that I know I had really high I think you had really high as well Carl Lawson probably been the second best probably been the second best defensive rookie in the NFL Uh, this year why did Carl Lawson fall from what I heard it was a lot of medical stuff a lot of medical stuff. I don't know how he interviewed. I don't know a whole lot about that, but I know he's measurable. I mean, could have been the arm length, could have been, you know, a lot of teams. I, I heard from a few, I, well, one former scout and then one evaluator that I work with at the College Grand Showcase, they felt, and they had talked to a lot of people that felt like he was athletically maxed out and they felt like he 
wasn't as fluid as they would like him to be. And maybe they're right, but I'm not even sure that matters because what he is right now, his floor is so good, who cares? Like, yeah. he's tearing it up. So, um, But I think just, you know, measurables, the athleticism, feeling like he was maxed out, mixed out with the injured injuries, it's, it all just kind of added up and at a position where you really want, I mean, pass rusher. It's one of the most, probably the most, other than left tackle, it might be the most important position in the NFL or other than quarterback. It, I just, teams didn't want to take that chance. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of get that. I still don't get the fourth round, though, because, again, he had, the he had I think, the second-best hand usage I've seen out of a guy last year. But besides Miles Garrett, because Miles Garrett was, you know, the guy 100%. But yeah. Carl Lawson, man, I mean, that guy I thought was complete package when I watched him. I didn't see anyone who could block him in college. I didn't either. I didn't see him falling. But I guess it's a tribute to how deep that class was, too. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm with you. Like, I, I understand why he fell, but I don't agree with it. Like, he mm-hmm. was so good. Yeah, the med, the injury report must have been horrible. Awful. Yeah, horrible. I mean, like he, you know, like will need amputation within a year. Like it, I don't even know, but whatever. Jai level knees or something like that. One of those things. Just remember, Redskins fans, this guy has more pressures and hurries than Ryan Kerrigan and Preston Smith this year. But we took Ryan Anderson over him, so we will forever have that with us. So last guy uh, I want to get Justin talking about because I know it's the other guy that kind of gets Justin in trouble on Twitter. Christian McCaffrey, top 10 pick. You loved that pick, didn't you? It was wonderful. You, you know I loved that. <laughs> Jesse Fritch, if you're out there, just earmuffs for like a minute, please. Um, Jesse's been so mad at me for talking about McCaffrey. Rightfully so. I mean, I, I need to stop at some point, but this, this is it, Jesse. McCaffrey, I don't understand. Like, you watch him at Stanford. He wasn't – he was what I would consider a perfectly coached runner. It wasn't all – it wasn't like he was reactive and like he was just out athleting people. He knew he was a great runner. He knew how to set up. Guys. There's really no words for it without me just sounding like a complete kook. But I didn't see a guy that was a better athlete than a lot of guys. I didn't see a guy that could break tackles, you know, run powerfully. I saw a guy that was hesitant, and I think we confused hesitant for patience. Mm-hmm. When you'd see a lot of times he would refuse to bounce it outside, so he lacked a little creativity there. And then when he would go inside, it was like he was tiptoeing through the hole. He wasn't exploding or, like, pressing and, you know, making second-level defenders. He he did a lot of the things that I see from Barkley right now, and that's why Barkley kind of scares me a little bit is because Barkley's so much bigger than McCaffrey, so... We'll get to that later. We'll get to that later. We'll get to that, yeah. I was going to say, we'll we'll get to that. But, yeah, McCaffrey, I don't understand. I feel like he's a slot receiver, and so far, I feel like that's basically the way they've used him. He's a slot receiver. So taking someone with that skill set so high, I'm never going to understand. Unless he becomes the great, you know, unless he becomes Adrian Peterson or something along those lines where he is carrying the load and just ruining people, it's not going to make sense to me. Yeah, I wasn't, I actually wasn't very big on McCaffrey either. I didn't get as much hate for it, obviously, because I still acknowledge that he was, he was one of the most fun players to watch in college football. I loved, yeah. I mean, his tape was awesome. It was just so much fun to watch. I had a blast with it, but I know it's going to sound like hindsight bias here, but like two guys I have no clue how went behind him were Alvin Kamara and Kareem Hunt. Like I love those two players. I thought both were, were excellent players. Kamara does everything McCaffrey does, but at a, a, a way better level. And I know that you got in trouble for saying that to, to Jesse. <laughs> well, but Jesse made a good point, though. I mean, a lot of uh, Kamara never carried the load in college. He had some off-the-field stuff. He transferred. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why he fell. But to me, what I would tell the Panthers is then, hey, don't draft McCaffrey. Just wait and take Kamara in the third and the second or whatever round, you know, he went. So, again, yeah, I'm with you. Don't take McCaffrey. Just wait. And then you could have had Kareem Hunt or you could have had Kamara. 
and then you could have taken someone that actually made a big difference instead of McCaffrey. Yep. Just remember, Redskins fans, we took Ryan Anderson over over Alvin <laughs> Kamara, and we <laughs> Ryan Anderson's always gonna bite us in the butt. So that is all we got for our current NFL players. We're going to jump into some draft talk here in a second. But I just remind you guys to please rate and subscribe on iTunes. Rate, review, or subscribe. It's it's very quick and easy. Tell me if my voice sucks. Tell me if my voice is awesome. Tell me if Justin did a good job. All right there on the podcast uh, review thing on Locked on Redskins. Just type in Locked on Redskins and check it out. All right, so now we're going to jump into some of your crazy draft takes from this next year. So we're just getting all of your crazy takes out there. We're going to have this recording just forever, just in case anyone wants to, to really fight you. We'll just play this recording at them. So Perfect. we're going to talk about QB1, probably QB1 of the last decade, is Mason Rudolph, right? Mason Rudolph, how how high do you have him on on your draft rankings? Well, I wouldn't draft him to begin with. And, you know, if I was a general manager, I don't want to sound like a jerk, but I'm not going to draft a guy that I project as a backup. So for me, I don't want Mason Rudolph on my team. Um, I don't want a weird ball pusher who can't read the middle of the field and just I, don't, I just don't understand the allure with that guy. He's tall and he and he can run and he lobs up a lot of terrible rainbow punt balls. But other, I, I, he's I'm never gonna like even Bryce Petty coming out. I, I understood more than Rudolph. At least he can throw the football. Yeah. Brandon Whedon could at least throw the football um, and he had a legit arm. Mason Rudolph, what are we doing? I don't, I don't get it. I'm never going, I'm never going to. Nope. I, I've watched so many of his games this year trying to understand it because I'm like, you know what? A couple guys I respect have actually talked him up, so let's go see. And then every time I watch it, I just like, why am I watching this guy? Especially when he goes against, <laughs> especially when he goes against like good defenses too, like TCU. Yeah. He's in a great defense, but TCU is a good defense, and he's just, oh god, it's it's painful. It really is it painful, and. Yep. Yeah, where do you think that he could be a number one overall pick? He's going to look at a route tree and be like, what is this? <laughs> I've never done this. Hey, man, it worked yeah. for Cam Newton when he came in. He didn't know how, he didn't know what a route tree was, but, you know. Mason yeah, Rudolph. RG3 exploded for him, but. Oh, yeah, we're going to bring that up. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, when Mason Rudolph turns into Cam Newton, let me know, and then I'll reconsider. But, again, at least Cam can throw the football. Yeah, true, true. All right, how about this? Mason Rudolph or uh, what's that? Jake Browning out of Washington. Which one's better? Good God. You have to start a franchise of one of these two. Which one are you taking? Rudolph, because at least he looks cool getting out of the bus. And at <laughs> least he's, like, kind of good-looking, and he could, like, you know, he'd attract girls to come to the game. There you so, like, go. we could get, like, a fan base. But Jake Browning looks like my sister, so I'm not going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, Jake. If you're... <laughs> I really hope your sister's not listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like me when I was in third grade. I'm not gonna. I don't want him on my team. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So yeah, there, there's. This is a deep quarterback class. Why are we talking about Mason Rudolph and Jake Browning? We have like just name some other guys here, like Drew Locke. I know that you've been talking a lot about. I love his arm. Uh, there's uh, Will Greer who's been stepping up. You got any other sleeper type guys that you want to talk about? The guy that I like personally, and I, I don't even know if he's a sleeper. I've heard a few scouts talk about him, like. Legit say, like, I think this guy could be a starter. He just needs to stop throwing so many goddamn interceptions. But it's Tanner Lee from Nebraska. The guy, he's mobile, he's big, he's got a cannon, runs a pro-style offense, and he does it pretty well. Uh, when you look at what, like, you know, the things that you want in an NFL quarterback, he can read the middle of the field, he's fearless, he can anticipate, he throws his guys open, um, he understands placement, 
you know, underneath, it, I think it goes overlooked that a lot of these guys, you know, when you're running a whip route and a guy puts it on your back, you know, your backside hip, and it's like, well, the guy caught it. The receiver caught it, so it's a good throw. Yeah. No, put it out in front of him and allow for some yards after the catch. Tanner Lee does that, you know, often, and he throws the deep ball well. There's not really a lot of concerns I have with him transiting to the NFL. Is he a gunslinger? Did he throw four interceptions at Oregon and three against Northern Illinois and three against Northwestern? Absolutely. But he also tore up Ohio State, even though they got destroyed that game. I think he could step into an NFL franchise and be an upgrade over a lot of a lot of um, different quarterbacks. So people are, I mean, I'm already ready. His interceptions are going to be scrutinized, and that's what people. That's the only argument we're going to have against him. But he's one of my biggest sleepers. And like you said, Will Greer, I love Will Greer. Throws the ball in between the numbers better than most, and his pocket presence is almost inhuman to watch. I mean, there's like people falling off of him, and he's like, don't care. I'm good. I got this. Yep, he will definitely scare people because of all the Florida stuff and, and all that, but I do I like Will Greer, especially. I really do like him, and I haven't watched Tanner Lee, but my my take with gunslingers is always I'd rather tame a gunslinger than teach a passive guy to, to you know, yeah. sling it around, for sure. You're not going to get a passive guy on a show, but you can maybe tell Jameis Winston, like, hey, chill out. <laughs> well, when and, it doesn't have what Dirk Ketter as his coach, maybe, but we'll see when that happens. Uh, yeah, that that won't last long, I think. Yeah, I really don't think so. So now to jump into another one of, we're gonna go back to McCaffrey talk because we just can't get away from it here on this podcast, especially with you on. We know that you yeah. love talking about Christian McCaffrey. So how would you compare Bryce Love and Christian McCaffrey throughout their careers in college or as prospects? I mean, certainly from what I've seen right now, McCaffrey. I liked the way he ran the ball. I liked the way he – I felt like as a runner, I didn't have a lot of questions about him. He could run the ball extremely – like, as a pure runner, I liked what he could do. I liked his fluidity. I liked the way he could change. I think Bryce Love might be a little stiffer. He kind of has a little different way kind of doing things in the open field. But I like his breakaway speed more. I like his vision. I like the way he bounces off contact. I like his power. I like the way he finishes. I think – I like the way that he plays the running back position a lot better. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you when I break down, like, just their physical skill sets, a lot of me likes McCaffrey a little more, but I also don't at all. <laughs> I think Bryce Love, he's, he's small. I mean, I don't know if he's going to even be 200 at the combine or whatever, mm. but I think if you make him your number two back and you give him 10, 15 carries a game at least, that's you're going to you're gonna give a defense a lot to worry about. I mean, the kid can break off anything into a home run, so... I don't know where he, he's really tough to predict where he's even going to go in the draft. I mean, I, I honestly couldn't tell you. He could go in the sixth round. I wouldn't be shocked. He could go in the second, and I wouldn't bat an eye either. So I'm not even sure. But he's dynamic for sure. Yeah, he's so dynamic. It's explosive. I mean, every time he hits yeah. a hole, you, you expect it to go the distance just because. That burst. Yeah, that oh. burst. Oh, man, when I first saw that too, burst. He explodes into the second level. Yes. Where McCaffrey, like I said, was kind of tiptoeing, like, should I, should I not? Mm-hmm. Love has no fear. He just it comes through, and safeties are like, here he is. <laughs> Didn't see this coming, but here we are. Yeah, I remember that because me and uh, me and John were watching the Stanford uh, Stanford USC game to start the year for our Breaking the Draft podcast, and I remember uh, writing to John right when we were like started watching the game, and I was like, "Who the heck is this Bryce Love guy? <laughs> like Jesus, yeah. he touches the ball and it's just boom up the field, like it's gone." And yeah, he came out of nowhere this year too. Yeah, he's gonna be a fun player to watch. I mean, I'm already excited watching some of his games, and he's just gonna be all over the map with his projection. It's gonna be yeah. really fun, really fun. So. Let's get into that Saquon Barkley talk now. What, what are you saying about the most gifted running back in history? Uh, 
So, I mean, this is difficult. When you, break, <laughs> when you break down his traits as a pure runner, just give him the ball and say, "Hey, go run." I mean, the guy is unbelievable. His, the explosiveness and the burst and the flexibility and just the way that he can pretty much elude and outrun anybody. And you know, some of the the tight areas that he's able to run, like. He does things with the ball that you're just like, I, I don't even have words. Like, I, I don't even know what to put in my notes because that was insane. But then, you know, the last three, four games probably, you see that if defenses stay disciplined against him and if they kind of bring the fight to him, he's not finishing runs powerfully. He's not embracing contact. Um, he kind of does the McCaffrey thing where it's like he doesn't really have the vision to see a level or two ahead of him. He waits till he's getting to the hole, has to see it kind of come wide open. And then he kind of tiptoes through it and is like, who's coming at me? You know, he wants to be, he wants to play Shady McCoy and make guys miss. You're 225, 230, whatever you are. You need to go through that hole and get some yardage. There was that long run against Ohio State where, you know, he comes through, bounces it left, bounces it left, and then runs for a touchdown. But if you rewatch that play, he's kind of like waiting on the defense to come at him the whole time and kind of like guessing, like, what should I do now? Instead of taking what was already there. I mean, I think that run could have been a lot easier for a lot of other guys because they would have seen ahead of time, like, this is what I need to do. He just, the re, the main reason I don't, the main reason Barkley scares me is the main reason is because of the things that Jordan Howard and Kareem Hunt have done so well. Far less gifted guys, but they do those running back things so well that they're successful. Barkley is the exact opposite. So gifted, but a lot of the things that you look for in running backs, like the vision and, you know, the bird, you know, finishing runs physically and being able to bounce out contact, he does those things poorly. So, I'm, I'm trying to meet myself in the middle here and say, like, how much is this going to affect him as a running back? Can he adjust his game? Because he's not a quarterback. A lot of these things he can adjust, and, you know, it's not going to take, like, a, you know, some huge epiphany. He can do it, but will he? I don't know. I think there's a little boomer bust level to Barkley's game. Yeah, yeah, and there's there's one big running back prospect who actually does attack players, uh, Darius Geis, out of mm-hmm. LSU. Now, he is a violent runner. And he's he's going to be the the RB two everyone's going to be talking about. He's going to go in the first round as yeah. well. What's your quick take on Geis? I when, when I, they're both 100 percent healthy. When Geis is 100 percent healthy, like last year, I think I would have Geis above him, basically because he does those things that you know good running backs do. Not only is he physically gifted as hell, but he's doing the things that the best running backs in the NFL do. Um, he's physical. He flies through the hole. He's bringing the fight to linebackers and safeties. He's has that contact balance. He's got the reactional athleticism. He's choosing his angles. He's choosing the way guys pursue him, you know, and kind of seeing things at a time where Barkley, I feel like it's just guessing and he's kind of waiting for guys to come at him. And then he wants to play that backyard, you know, that old game, smear the queer, whatever it is, where it's like, Hey, come, come, come tackle me. And I, I don't like that. I just, I don't. And as an offensive coordinator, I think you're going to have a tough time. You're going to see a lot of yards left on the field. And you're going to ask yourself, like, how is this specimen getting stopped so often? But, I mean, even right now in college, it's happening. It's already happening. So to deny it, to say he's above critique, and, like, we can't even talk about this, it's just crazy. I'm right with you there. I mean, I I do think he's the most special player I've seen in so long, Barkley. I mean, God, he just – everything you want from a pure trade standpoint, he is right there. Yeah. He's, he's definitely going to be a really tough eval coming draft time. Another, Some other guys who are beginning really, really high draft type at the receiver position now, uh, Cameron Sutton and Richie James. Corlin. Or Cortland, my fault. Cortland. Cam was the corner out of uh, Tennessee last year. See, I'm getting yeah. all these draft classes mixed up. Cortland Sutton 
and Richie James. What's your take on those guys? Cortland Sutton, I think we're gonna have a little we're gonna have issues because he's not fast. He's build up speed. Yep. And he struggles getting off press. I don't think he's as physical as some would want him to be when the ball's in the air or downfield. Um, I think he's going to have to take a long – I think it's going to be an adjustment for him to stop facing the corners that he's facing that kind of just let him do whatever he wants. Because um, NFL corners are going to punch him in the mouth and make him work for these jump balls. Uh, he's not going to beat guys deep like he is in, in college. He, I think he has a lot bigger adjustment to the NFL than anyone wants to admit. And, I mean, you see his size and you see the way he can elevate and track that ball and it's super attractive, but can he – even get himself to that point in the NFL where he is in a position to win and win a jump ball. I'm not sure. Um, Richie James, he's awesome. He's dynamic, but he's like five foot nothing. Uh, is he anything more than a slot receiver? Probably not. So how high can you take a slot receiver? I'm, and again, we eighth see overall the NFL right now. Panthers take him uh, out. Panthers take them eighth overall. Those slot receivers eighth overall. Oh yeah, they're gonna. <laughs> except they'll try to play him at running back and. You know, move McCaffrey. Yeah, they have, they took Samuel in the they took Samuel in the second round to play running back and slot. They got McCaffrey in the first round to play running back and slot. Then they'll take Richie James to play running back and slot for them as well. What are you doing, Panthers? <laughs> Just help Cam Newton, please. Do anything to help that guy. Anything. And he's going to be firing balls through their hands because I mean, the funny thing is too is like you have a guy that throws like power fastballs, and they keep giving him these like weird small dudes like Philly Brown and Curtis. Sam- Draft anyone big, please, and then don't trade them away. Yeah, like Kelvin like yeah. Benjamin, you had, you had. Don't. I don't even know. I don't even know what to say about them. Best thing ever is when you have you seen the movie Dumb and Dumber before. Okay, I was just asking. Some people haven't, <laughs> but you know the Dumb and Dumber scene where um, they're, they're having the snowball fight. And he throws the ball right in her face, and people were saying that's going to be Cam Newton trying to throw it to McCaffrey. That that killed me. <laughs> and, and Christian McCaffrey is Mary Swanson. Mary yeah, Mary Swanson. Yeah, Mary Swan Samsonite, right? Samsonite, <laughs> Swami. <laughs> but yeah, that I, that killed me. Yeah, I don't understand what the pants are doing there. But I'm with you right there. I mean, Sutton, I really just don't see it. I I've tried. I've watched so much of them. I I don't. I think his first year is going to be brutal. It's I I think Alden Tate is everything that we want Sutton to be. Alden Tate brings yeah. it all. Alden Tate elevates. He catches the ball in traffic. He has speed. I don't know it's why. Physical. It's physical, man. He's he's violent. As he breaks down a lot better. That's the other thing I noticed with Sutton is when you ask him, just like Mike Evans, when you ask him to break down and run a route that's either back to line of scrimmage or you know something like that, when you ask him to break stride, you see his limitations. Where when you're saying, no, just run a nine, run a post, run a corner, that's when he's a lot better, and I think you see his potential, but he's not a guy that you want breaking down and like running these intricate routes over the middle and stuff like that. He's that guy you want to lob a ball up to and keep him going or else cornerbacks are going to eat him up. Exactly. And then Richie James, I'm, I'm with you completely. I, when I was watching him, I said, yeah, we got Jameson Crowder. That's cool. We got another Jameson Crowder coming to the NFL. Nothing wrong with that. Jameson Crowder is a very good player in the NFL. I'd be fine with another one in the NFL. It's just he's not going to be a number one, and Crowder's not that. Crowder can't beat any number one corner. Crowder is a slot guy. That's kind of what Richie James is. That's all they're going to be, and there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. They are good players. It's just he's not. they're not going to win you games by throwing jump balls to them at all. No, and I mean, and I'm not even sure he has, like, the burner speed to get downfield just – same as Crowder. Like, I, I don't, if he was Tavon Austin running in the four threes, I might be like, all right, he has a little more value. But I don't see that. So, again, yeah, like you said, you're going to have to throw him in the slot, and he's going to do his work there. How high can you really take that? I don't, I don't know. 
Yeah, I, I have no clue. I'm with you on that. Now, to kind of jump into a little bit of defensive players, uh, you are known for your cornerback and safety analysis. I go to you for your cornerback and safety analysis because you always send me that you send me that big list last year of all the safeties. I loved it. Oh yeah. yeah. The the, the third what was it thirty safeties you said could be starters in the NFL, and I think twenty something of them declared, and actually a lot of them are making big impacts. So, <laughs> props to you on that list. It's a deep class, man. That's all it was. I love that class so much. People were always like, how can every safety be your boy? I'm like, they were all good. I don't, like, yeah, I don't know. They were all really good. They hit. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So who is your big safety guy or big corner guy that you that you love this year? I like a lot of these corners, man. I mean, I like McFadden from Florida State. I think Denzel Ward from Ohio State is growing on me. A lot like Lattimore, I don't really see the limitations of that kid. Yeah. Um, he is all over the place doing everything in every kind of coverage. They have another guy on the other side, Damon Arnett, who hits everything, and he's a good cover corner, too. Like They could have two first-round corners. Um, and then Averitt from Alabama. Him and Levi Wallace, both. Wallace has that size and that length that you covet. And he's, like, you know, being a walk-on, I was like, maybe I don't know if he's as good of an athlete as, you know, the typical Bama guy would be, but then I'm watching Levi Wallace, and he is. And he's a good athlete, and he gets himself, he finds the ball, which is another thing, like, Corners in college have a tough time doing that, and the kid can find the ball. He's jumping routes, and then Averitt on the other side is a little smaller, but there's not only really a weakness to that kid's game. Maybe size. Maybe he's not huge. He's not the longest, but there's some good corners in this class, and everyone keeps saying, like, it's not that deep. Watch more than five prospects, and then you might be like, all right, there's some quality quality players. Then at safety, again, another class that looks pretty good. I like Minka Fitzpatrick. I think he might be the best. I said this on one of another podcast for the College Go Down Showcase, but he might be the best player in the country. With all the things he can do, and, you know, he can play strong safety, he can play nickel corner, he can play boundary corner, he can play free safety. He can do it all at a pretty elite level. How do you go wrong there? Is He he could be Charles Woodson, Eric Berry level, where, like, you ask him to do anything back there, and he's going to do it at least. So take him in the top five, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I love all those players you mentioned. Isaiah Oliver is also another dude that, I kind of fell in love with last year and his limited playing time, and this year, man, like him. as a man I'm going to go see, I think this Saturday I'll be in Boulder watching him against USC. So I want to see what he's got. Man, he is, he's the best man corner I've watched so far this year. When he gets in the press, man, he is, whew, he mirrors players so well, and he's so physical at the yeah. point. I love it. I love it. But, yeah. yeah, those are some good players there. And this last little bit, I kind of want you to talk about your player that you've been ranting about a lot and raving on a lot, Rashawn, Rashawn Evans. You know, oh, yeah, I thought you were going to bring a Baker Mayfield. I was like, no, no, we'll we'll save that. I've 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 kind of triggered you to talking a lot about players that get you in trouble. So we'll we'll go to your, one of your favorites and a lot of people's favorites out here. Rashawn Evans out of Alabama. What do you love about this guy? What is not to love about this kid? He's you know a lot. You see a lot of these like crazy freak athletes, and they rely on that athleticism to do a lot of things. He doesn't. I mean, when you watch him take on blocks, it doesn't matter if it's you know, an offensive guard coming up field or a receiver coming at him from a screen. It doesn't matter if he had to run to get this block. Like, it doesn't matter who it is. He's trying to take their head off, and he's trying to go straight through them. It looks like every single snap this kid is having the best time of his life, and, like, he just wants to murder everybody, which is awesome. I mean, I mean, I know in today's NFL it's like if you have a big hitter, it's frown upon, whatever, I don't know. But he wants to hurt every single player he is out there with. I'm his technique has gotten so much better this year. The angles to the ball, the way he reads the line of scrimmage, um, the way he kind of reads the run game. Last year, he was guessing a lot. He was kind of taking himself out. Last game that they played, who was that against? Uh, LSU. Yep. You're watching him bouncing between some of the linemen, reading Geis, reading Williams. 
and then, you know, shoot the gap, take on the block. He does it with the correct shoulder. He's doing things technically. He's doing things the right way this time. And then when he does make a mistake, he's got the athleticism to, to make up for it. He's got the size to dominate physically. He's got the speed to dominate, you know, in space and chase things down. And then not only that, but he can play inside linebacker. He can probably play all three spots in a 4-3 defense. And then when you ask him to rush the passer, he might be Bama's best pass rusher. I'm just having a tough time seeing the weaknesses in his game. He can carry slot receivers down the field. He can carry tight ends. There's just not a lot of things he can't do. And then when you look at the way he's going to blow up the combine, most likely, I don't know how you don't consider him or how you know people aren't going to talk about this kid as a top-ten prospect with all the things that he's able to do. Yeah, I'm with you, man. He is the most violent physical player I have seen play middle linebacker in my time scouting. I love this dude to death. I know, I mean, you're the one who got me on him, but Jesus, this guy. Well, I mean, like, people are going to hate me for it, but when you watch Von Miller play at Texas A&M, they have a lot of the similar ways of attacking the ball, ways of going about their business. The athleticism, you know, the way they strike people, the type of games that they play, and then the ability to rush off the edge. A lot of things are similar. I'm not saying he's Von Miller. But there's a lot of traits that they share that could, you know, propel him to be just as successful, maybe in a different role. But this guy's a freak. This guy's an absolute freak. All right, so you guys heard it first. Von Miller and Rashawn Evans are the exact same player coming exact out. Exact same Exact player. same player. You know, we're going to have the Twitter thing. Rashawn Evans is blank. And then period afterwards, it's going to be Von Miller is the answer for everything. I love it. I love it. <laughs> we're going to turn this right on you. All right, guys. We had, I know it's an extended episode here, but we got a lot of good takes in there from Justin, a lot of crazy takes, and now I always have this audio on him just for whenever something blows up on his face. So when Watson becomes a Hall of Famer, I will just cut out little bits of his audio, put it on Twitter, and just have his you know his haters come after him. But Justin, thank you for coming on tonight. Thank you for coming on tonight, man. Uh, I had a blast. Anything you want to say before we before I let you go? No, I don't want to get myself in any trouble, so I'm going to save it. Uh, thanks for having me, buddy. It was a blast. Nice to finally meet you. Yeah, dude. Have me on any time. I'd be glad to return. Perfect. Yeah, we will get Justin on, especially around draft season, because we need those crazy takes. These crazy takes here on Locked On Redskins, and we need more Monte Nicholson love. That's that's what's always needed here, because everyone else had no clue who he was coming in, except for me and Justin. And Mike, I guess Mike had a little bit of knowledge on him, so that's what we got here. But thanks again for coming on. I really appreciate it. Now, tomorrow, guys, remember, we have Josh Mensch of the Purple Report to break down the Redskins and Vikings matchup, so be sure to tune in tomorrow as he raves about Teddy Bridgewater for probably an hour long. 